The way we consume and share news today, it is largely rooted in social media. Oh, that's the reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online for our daily social media minute. We're joined by Yerika now. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, of course. Have you seen the recent TV drama My Maestra? I can't. I can't say it. <laughs> I haven't actually. <laughs> I did, and I was very fixated on it because of Ionge, because it was fronted by her, because she took so right. many lessons to perfect that and hone her craft. And uh, mm-hmm. frankly speaking, she's excellent. But the end of the drama was spoiler alert: a little bit, you know, deflated and not very ah. interesting but anyway nonetheless the star who fronted it who was the the major headline anyway she was excellent oh she's i mean she's a pro yeah <laughs> she's been around she's for years it. and the thing yeah. is even to this day she has had many other projects since yet we are still fixated on the success of Tejangum Jewel in the Palace yeah. because honestly, it's unrivaled. It was like the heyday of TV productions. That's right. And it was by far one of these most popular TV productions of all times. Yeah. Um, I, I guess uh, her role on the show Tejangum Jewel in the Palace uh, was uh, the, the very role that sort of shot her to international fame two decades ago, right? Two decades. Uh, yeah, two decades ago, because the show, it started, I think it was in September, September October of 2003, and yeah. then it it wrapped the following year in 2004. It was a 54-episode show, and it ran for months. I remember I was backpacking, this was a very long time ago, but then I landed in Cairo, and the first night in my hotel in Cairo, I Turn on the TV, and what do I see on the screen? The face of Yonghe, the show, <laughs> Jewel in the Palace in Cairo. Uh, yeah, just I still remember that like yesterday. Because that's also very shocking. I don't think that's who you yeah. were expecting to see on a TV exactly. channel in Cairo, even if it's cable. Yeah. Uh, okay, and 20 years later, they want to create a sequel to Tezang um, and I, I'm really curious as to how fans of the original show is going to take this news because they're working on the sequel. Uh, the working title for the sequel is Unyo Tejangum or Medic Tejangum, um, which uh, will apparently follow the story of the main, the title character, Sojangum, uh, who uh, used to be a palace maid. Uh, who becomes a royal court medic during the Joseon era. I mean, how how comparable is it to like the Renaissance in Italy? Someone who can yeah. be a, a master chef, essentially, inside the palaces becomes a medic. It's virtually unheard of. Now, according right. to historical records, Tangum was the first female royal physician. If you remember the first Tangum, she kind of ends with, the show kind of ends with the discovery that she can, in fact, be a doctor, right? Yes, that's right. Um, you know, when we talk about the the name Changum, uh, there's still a lot of debate, even among scholars, uh, whether she was a real person or not. Uh, but the name Changum is mentioned in the annals of the Joseon dynasty, but very little actually remains on record about, uh, say, for her birth year, mm-hmm. family name, 
ancestral home or background. Uh, what we do know is that uh, based on literature, she served as a royal physician for King Jungjong, who is pleased with her medical knowledge and trusted her with taking care of the royal family. Now, as a low-class woman, her rise to become the king's primary physician was almost impossible under the strict male-dominated uh, bureaucratic system of the time, which indicates that she must have been an exceptionally skilled practitioner to receive such trust from the king himself. Um, she was granted the use of uh, before her first name, which means great in Korean. So, Taejanggum literally translates to Changgum the Great. Ah, such a title. Yeah. Do we have at least a specific date of the release of the sequel? I mean, because let's be honest, Erica, things say they're going to come into fruition and then it takes years. Mm -hmm. So, how about the sequel to Taejanggum? You know, we don't have the specific date, uh, the release date of this show, mm. but uh, we do know that it's going to start filming in October uh, this year, and it's going to air sometime in early 2025. So still a year to go, mm. but uh, exciting nonetheless, because we know that the show is going to start filming uh, later this year. Um, yeah, uh, the show, Daejanggum, the original show, the final episode, which aired in 2004, it recorded a viewership rating of a whopping 57% at the time. That means, in layman's terms, more than half yeah. of the entire country right. that had TVs were tuning in to was watch. the show. Isn't that crazy? I was living yeah. in the Silicon Valley, but, you know, we had our way wow. of getting access to Jewel in the Palace, yeah. namely VHS. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took us a little bit more time to get to it. Thank goodness there were no spoilers back then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was even supposed to be a 54 episode. It was supposed to be shorter, but they kept extending it because it was immensely popular. Popular. You're right. <laughs> I'll leave it there for now as we move on to our second uh, buzzword of the day. Now, fake news is not something that we're dealing with for the first time during an election year. I think it becomes much more sensitive now. There's apparently a website that crafts and spreads deceptive stories. Now, that's concerning. Yeah, and this uh, very website uh, re recently uh, published a headline about a massive explosion in Gwanghwamun, uh, and it said the number of casualties currently under investigation. And a lot of people actually believe the story when they receive the link uh, through their friends. Now, the investigations uh, revealed that the website uh, operates specifically to create these types of fake news uh, using formats and styles that are very similar to those of legitimate news sources. Mm -hmm. And what these sites or this particular site we're talking about uh, today uh, does is it allows users to input headlines uh, and then the users select categories like breaking or exclusive or comprehensive and then they select photos to make these fabricated articles look authentic and uh, the created news links are deceptively similar to those of uh, established portals like Naver and Palm. Uh, so you know anybody who you know just at a glance it just it's 
virtually impossible to tell if the news is fake or real. It's really challenging to question and it's the authenticity of the story. I think it's becoming increasingly more difficult for us to just discern with the naked eye. Um, yeah. Unless you follow the news regularly or you have the time and the energy to cross-check, mm-hmm. um, it, it, you might, it might fool you. And the problem is... I can't believe this is somehow flying under for a time being the radar of yeah. authorities. How is this legal? I have so many questions because in a single day on January 29th, it turns out 280 fake news stories yes. were fabricated through the service alone. That's a lot That's in a single right. day. Imagine that pouring out every single day, bombarding our search mm-hmm. engines. Now that might be an entirely different conversation. So is is there any legal action or any sort of action being taken against the website? Um, well, a representative from Neighbor has acknowledged the issue and said the site is currently under review. Um, it, it, there's several... Um, other concerns regarding this particular site because it offers translation services in four different languages as well, including English and Japanese. Uh, Not only that, the website ranks the fake stories based on the number of clicks and even promises rewards to people uh, that successfully deceive large numbers of people. So, you know, basically... um, it lures people to spread these types of fake news in return for a cash, basically. You're kidding. There's incentive for us. It, yes, it's like a inc- game. That's right. To create the best fake stories to fool the most right. amount of people. Mm-hmm. How is this legal? Okay. Is it possible for users to maybe remove a fabricated news story just as easily as we put it out there? Again, uh, the problem is if users want to remove a fabricated news story, they have to pay a pretty hefty sum of 50,000 won, roughly 37 US dollars to the site operators. Um, So with the 22nd general election just like 70 days away, there is this like looming fear, even amongst the experts that such uh, fake news could significantly skew public opinion and create widespread chaos. Mm -hmm. Now experts warn about the potential of such fake news in creating social tensions, especially Mm. amongst isolated or ideologically driven groups. And they emphasize the urgent need for both uh, self-regulation amongst the public, as well as stringent legal measures to combat this growing threat. You know, sometimes my biggest fear is that it's like the same group of people who search for the same kind of news stories, right? Algorithms don't really help. And you're right. So if you're part of the isolated group or you're absolutely convinced that your ideologies Mm -hmm. is is just the only way to go about this. And would you be inclined to double check your sources? I I highly doubt it. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, media literacy, we can't highlight it enough, but I really don't feel like we have that problem here on our show. You know, <laughs> websites like this really makes it increasingly challenging for us to be media literate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. We really have to um, work hard at it to make sure that we know what we're reading is authentic or fake. Yesterday, I, I was on the New York Times website, and what they do for mm-hmm. you is to show you essentially how difficult it is for us to discern AI created images from the real one. It gives you a set of two images at a time and it's like a quiz and it says try to pick which one is a real picture and which one is AI generated. I got Uh nine out of ten wrong, Erica. And and, and that's how realistic these images are. So we've come a long way. Mind you, it was just like a profile shot. It wasn't like the whole body. I know 
you're supposed to like look for, you know, these details. But yeah, the technology is so sophisticated that if we don't keep up, we blink twice and we might just miss it. I'm shocked that you got one out of 10 correct. Um, I mean, maybe I was tired. <laughs> no, but still, but still, that, that speaks volumes yeah, about I, how good these, uh, you know, AI technology is becoming in creating like fake news. And uh, absolutely, you know, because I mean, you know, I think these indicators that we used to rely on, like how pixely are these pictures or how, mm -hmm. you know, how much does this AI generated image look like a person I know? It's not mm -hmm. that easy anymore. And it's not that obvious no. anymore. So keep up, right. everyone. Speaking of tech, um, our final buzzword uh, revolves around tech workers who are being laid off, filming the experience and sharing it. I, I guess um, you take pictures and you vlog or else it didn't happen. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> exactly. And this is a trend that I'm, I'm having a difficult time, like grasping uh, my head around because, you know, who wants to share with the new, with the world that you just got fired from your work? It's demoralizing, right? Yeah. yeah. But this apparently is the trend, especially amongst Generation Z and the millennials. So the videos show people crying as they talk to HR, you know, or they're going through their daily routine, knowing that a certain mysterious appointment on their calendar is probably going to result in their termination. So many of these videos have gone viral on social media. Uh, I, I wonder, because I've seen videos, and maybe not the tech sector, but, you know, other mm -hmm. people who vlog the lead up to their final day at work. It's not so dramatic right. as, you know, coming face to face with HR and hearing the news, but it certainly looks emotional. I, I wonder if this is this is something different. We talked about Gen Z and millennials having propensity to share every aspect of their lives, yeah. the good and the bad. Maybe that feels more authentic. Can that larger trend be driving this sort of movement? Yes, definitely so. <laughs> and uh, these layoff videos and subsequent job hunting videos on sites like LinkedIn and X are shedding new light on a private moment that many people try to hide. Now, experts uh, answer the question as to, you know, what could be some positive aspects of sharing such stories on social media for those who have lost their jobs? And they say, number one, it can be therapeutic because like popular stories, uh, receive millions of views and lots of supportive comments and it makes people feel like they're not alone. Mm. And number two, the videos can lead recruiters to reach out with potential opportunities and invitations to apply to new roles. Now, experts say these posts are unlikely to harm people's future career prospects, but they do caution that if you post, uh, you need to be okay with potential notoriety. Uh, there are consequences, good and the bad. Yes. So take it with you. I don't know. Maybe mm. I'm just not part of the millennial group anymore. Elder millennial. It's a whole thing. I, <laughs> I, I could never see myself uh, uploading the last day at my job. I would just be so emotional. And I'm not quite sure if my next potential employer would like that about me. I don't know if I will ever be able to, like, you know, switch on my phone and film myself <laughs> crying with HR and just post that on social media. I don't know. <laughs> do you, Erica, do you cry in public? Because I try so hard not to. And Oh, no, I try very, very hard not to. So I think we're from a different generation. I'm cool with that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> See you tomorrow, Erica. See you tomorrow. 
If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.